There's a term that's been used throughout military history. Its earliest attribution is to a British naval officer by the name of Frederick Marriott. That's M-A-R-R-Y-A-T. It's a term that he used um, in his writing, and it's, by all intents and purposes, um, him, he's the first person who's ever mentioned it. It's called the Butcher's Bill. Now, the Butcher's Bill is a fairly innocuous term, but under the context in which it's been used, it's it's both sad, grizzling, and grim. The Butcher's Bill is the number of soldiers who lost their lives on the battlefield. Soldiers to never return home. Soldiers to be solemnly remembered by their friends and family. The reason why I'm using it now has very much to do with the number of people of color who have lost their lives to police violence. I think the term needs to be further defined when someone says police violence. It's not an altercation between a police officer and a citizen. It is essentially the murder of that citizen by that police officer. In the occurrences that I'm speaking about, the murder occurred while the citizen was either unarmed or wholly outmatched by the number of police officers with drawn weapons surrounding that particular citizen. That scenario that I just described happened very recently in Philadelphia. And while my initial response was a sinking, sickened feeling in my stomach that yet another black man has lost his life from the bullets from the end of the gun of a white police officer. Now, I make the distinction when I say a white police officer because it's not a fluke. These aren't freak occurrences that happen when a series of ill decisions have been made and all of a sudden these these incidents come together at this nexus where this man loses his life. And I'm not saying that it's institutionalized either. I don't necessarily know because... I don't have that kind of knowledge. My uh, 
my expertise does not go that deep. I can only reflect on the number of people of color who have died at the hands of police in this year alone. And at last count, it was 165 people of color shot and killed by police. So the butcher's bill for 2020 stands at 165 people. Now, when I say stands at, the year isn't up yet. We're still only towards the end of October and November is a full month away. And not only is November a full month away, November is also a month where tensions have been ratcheted up to an unprecedented level. We haven't been this deep in social tension since the Civil War. Now, since Trump has been in office, there have been a lot of parallels between where we're living, how we're living right now, and the Civil War. For people of color, the parallels to 1965 are almost always apt and almost always brought up. We can find parallels in nearly every year of the Trump presidency and correlate those to a time of great upheaval and change in this country throughout our history. That's significant. The fact that we can map everything that he's done to a time of stress, strife, and turmoil in our country is significant because when one person at the head of all well, basically at the head of all government, is engineering the change of our country that is fundamental, there are going to be these spasms of resistance by the people who live the everyday lives of American citizens, I included. So when... You see on the news, and it's almost, it's, it's, it's sometimes shorter than the weather report. That's saddening, and it's also troubling, because in some way that means we're becoming used to it, that somehow the grimly efficient death of a person of color is less newsworthy than how many inches of rain we're going to get. Part of ourselves as people and as Americans who make up this country should feel a bit of shame. But it's understandable that we don't. The number of people who have died this year 
And quite frankly, the number of people who died during the summer alone because of police violence is concerning because it's almost as if they happened in rapid succession. Now, I know in actuality it did not happen that way, but to our, to our consciousness as Americans, it happened far too quickly and far too frequently. And it is, it is our job as Americans and as citizens to find out what happened to those people, what happened to those police officers. Because once it leaves the news, unless we're closely tied to the person who was murdered, we forget. We concentrate on our lives. Something that is no way shameful. But it's easy. Because that's not our life that was lost. That is not our family member who was lost. And many people who feel as though uh, social justice and, and uh, racial equality is an important thing, we tend to call each other brother and sister. Because we share a, a lineage either through circumstance or through DNA. We share that lineage. And many of us are connected through tribulation and oppression or a history of oppression. So when you call that man who lost his life in Philadelphia, my brother, you are saying to both yourself and to anyone who hears you that some part of you has just died. How do we get that peace back? That's something to think about. So what do we do? The obvious question needs an obvious answer, you would think. you African-American people living in America who are tired of being shot by police, tired of having the go-to solution to be deadly force, tired of police coming to the neighborhood where the the incident is occurring and just emptying shell after shell after shell into this man or woman. The story of Walter comes to mind because he's the most recent person to lose his life. Now, Walter Wallace Jr. had eight children. He worked. He wasn't shiftless. When you have eight children, you have to constantly be out there earning your money, supporting your family. 
and from all reports, the man did exactly that. Loved his kids, supported his family, loved his family, loved his kids. He put his life at risk. He was an Uber Eats driver. And if you don't think those people are putting their lives at risk whenever they deliver whatever they deliver to whoever they deliver it to, they are putting themselves at risk because they don't know who they're going to come in contact with. They, they don't know if that person's going to be wearing a mask or whether or not they're going to be healthy and COVID-free. But they're earning their money. They have a job and they're doing that job. So all any of us know, we know from the video footage that was taken in the subsequent reporting thereafter, we know that Walter had an episode and he was brandishing a knife. Only his family knows what led up to that moment. But from the news footage, we know that his family was trying to talk him down. He wasn't hurting anyone. A man who has a knife in his hand, who has ill intent, or wants to kill someone will not hesitate. But he did because he didn't harm his mother. He didn't har harm his brother or his children. He didn't harm anyone. Police were called. It still hasn't been reported by who, but the police were called and they arrived. Subsequently, after they encountered Walter, they fired into him multiple times. If you've seen the footage, if you've watched it, it's by I want to not revulse the viewing public to see a man gunned down in real time by Philadelphia police. And we see the aftermath after, well, we see the aftermath. We hear about the aftermath, the looting, the destruction. But that's what television focuses on. That's what the news focuses on. That's what the, the varying news organizations focus on. Even the most liberal, even MSNBC, focused on the looting and the destruction. And then the riots. And then the protest. So when the question is asked either by someone else or by ourselves, what do we do? Martin Luther King said social justice is in itself riot prevention. If we as people finally get the justice that we truly deserve, there will be no riots. There will be no disruption. There will be no protests. We will not be in the streets demanding from our local government and from our federal government to protect us. 
there will be no calls for legislation to ensure that police, rather than default to killing a man, they find a way to save his life. Because anyone who is confronted by local police is by definition in jeopardy. And for the police to not see that is an injustice. And that injustice spurs anger, frustration, a deep burning animal need to strike out. To hit back is one of the most fundamental responses human beings have to being hit. It's only through our love of religion or our reasoning or our rationale that tells us that you do not hit back. Violence inevitably creates more violence. I don't think that anyone's initial response to being treated with decency and with compassion and with regard for their life will return that show with violence. So what do we do? The list is long. Um, the, the the options are the options are 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 startlingly few. The options are we start electing politicians who believe as we believe, and I've said this before, and I will continue to say it. As long as we have politicians who are supposed to represent us, not representing us in completion from the most wealthy donor to the person who could care less whether or not you exist. That is the job of a representative. That is the job of our local politicians. I don't have to care about you. I don't have to acknowledge your existence. I can wake up every day, go to sleep every day, not know who you are, and you are still supposed to represent me. If politicians get into politics solely for the accolades, the acclaim, the money, those politicians need to be run out. So what do we do? We band together. We unite. We take our disparate beliefs, bring them together, find a common cause, create that, that common thread between us. Find that tie and bind ourselves together and create a power swell that cannot be denied by the people who say they are looking out for our best interest, that say they're working for us. Hopefully that'll happen. Hopefully that'll work. 
I will keep saying this until it does. I have people I love that I want to remain on this planet grieving. I don't want to go to one funeral, one wake. I don't want to post condolences on Facebook pages and on Instagram pages. I don't want to get emails that say, this is something that happened to someone you know. It's already too close. It's already breathing down the back of my neck. I walk outside. That is the jungle that I live in. Standing outside, chewing a piece of gum, drinking a soda. If a police officer has it in his mind that I look similar to someone that he thinks might have committed a crime, I am therefore in jeopardy for no other reason than resemblance. For no other reason other than the hue of my skin. That cannot stand. And again, I ask a question that will not die and has not died for hundreds of years from the lips of every person of color. What do we do? keep fighting we keep remembering the names of those who've been lost to us we keep their families held up in prayer we keep them in our thoughts we try to remember their stories we try to remember the humanity of them before that humanity was taken away because the sum total of the people that we have lost is not in their obituary but in every moment, every minute of every hour of every day, of every year that they spent on this planet, in the presence of their family, loving their family, their family loving them, we don't forget them. Because there have been so many. And this year alone, and this year alone, 164, it's a very, very big number of one particular race of people in one country being snuffed out. We also, in a part of the things that we need to do, we need to remember that we are not the only ones. And this isn't an also than, and this isn't a but then though. This is our family our brothers and sisters. We cannot forget the indigenous people who have been killed at the hands of police because they are murdered by police at a far higher rate than African Americans. And if you think the number of African Americans being killed in this country is too high, think about those who are indigenous who are losing their lives as well. Latinx community, they're losing their lives too. 
at the hands of police. So a part of what we do, we find these stories and we tell them. We don't let these souls dissipate without acknowledgement. They are a part of this mosaic as well. They help make the tapestry that is this country. We cannot and should not and shall not forget them. There is going to be a change that's going to happen in this country. And even though we stand on the precipice of great, great change, and that change not necessarily being in favor of those of us who are already struggling, we need to remember that even then, we need to fight harder. Because there are forces out there that are arrayed against us who have been in this game a lot longer than we have, but they have one thing that we do not. And that's numbers. How do you overcome a larger force by being smart? We become smart by banding together. We show our intelligence and strategy by marshalling our forces together, finding legislators that, legis that will legislate on our behalf. We create our own media and we share it between us. We exclude no one. No one is shut out. No one should be shut out. Everyone is welcome. It's the black and brown ghetto underground, but we accept everybody. Because everybody is a part of this. If the rumors are true, if the numbers stand to scrutiny, there's 1% in this country that has more power than the rest of the 99. Why should that be in a country where literally everything has been democratized? the tools that they had to separate us and keep us in locations that they could manage easier. As long as they could disseminate information about one against the other, they kept us separated. Their strength has been in our separation. It's time to take that strength away from them. So this is what we do. We remember the fallen. We remember the ones who are lost to us. We love them no less, but we remember them more. We look to our brothers and sisters and say, you and I are in this together. Our allies are in this with us. There are no enemies in this. There is only we getting the justice and the equality that we were supposed to have, that God gave us. 
and we work for a better future for everyone. Ain't nobody free until all are free. Believe that. You've been listening to the Black and Brown Ghetto Underground. And I hope to see you soon. Thank you.